0: Hi everybody, my name is Barbara. I'm a compulsive overeater and I am really humbled to be here to share with you. Um, I really enjoy listening to everyone taking their their chips and candles and celebrating birthdays Um, and from all over the world. It just warms my heart so much to see how we're connected in Overeaters Anonymous and I don't know where to start. This is a long, I'm giving a lot of time to share. Um, I'll start at the beginning. First, I want to let you know that I came to Overeaters Anonymous in June 1975, very long time ago. I had just turned 25 years old. I just turned 70 in May. Big shock, <laughs> I, still, I still can't believe it. How did this happen to me? I kept. I'm still alive and I'm here. Um, When I came here, I had given up all hope of losing my weight. I'm maintaining a 65 to 70 pound weight loss and I came to Overeaters Anonymous, not to get spiritual, not to build friendships, not for any other reason than I could not stop eating. There was absolutely not enough food in the world to fill the emptiness inside of me. And what I found out in Overeaters Anonymous is that this is really an inside job. And I had tried, I was very young when I got here. I didn't feel young. I felt quite old. I felt like my life was over. I didn't really feel like I had a future. I didn't feel like that I could satisfy my own criteria for what the happiness formula and my happiness formula was pretty superficial and pretty simple. And it started as a teenager, which is, I'm gonna go back a, a few years here. Um, growing up, I was a normal weight. I didn't really have any kind of a food problem or eating problem until my mid-teens. When I entered high school, I was 115 pounds. And when I graduated high school, I graduated with a, college, with a high school diploma, and um, I went from 115 to 153 pounds. In three years. In those days, back in those days, um, high school was three years. And in that three-year period, I did everything possible to control my eating, and I absolutely was unable to do that. The first diet I went on that I called a success, my doctor called me anorexic, I called myself successful. I went, my new top weight at the age of 16 was 144 pounds. That was in a year and a half from starting high school at 115. I shot up to 144 pounds. And in that period of time, I did everything that I could imagine to that I, that was within my, the realm of possibility to control my weight. And that included starving. I would go for two to three days at a time and not put a drop of any, an ounce of food in my mouth. I would, I was living on diet soda primarily, and that was one of my primary diets all the way through high school. I'd starve myself for two or three days at a time, and then I would go on on monster binges. Um, the first diet that I went on that I actually, that I actually advertised to the world that I was on a diet was at the age of sixteen. And I went from 144 pounds to under 100 pounds. And during that period of time when I was losing this weight, I was probably eating about 200 calories a day, going to the gym every day. And when I started that diet, I actually wasn't 16, I was barely a little over 15, 15 and a half. And I got on a bus and I went to a gym that my parents gave me money to join and I was at the gym every day working out after school and eating like a bird eating starving myself essentially starving myself and at that point my parents were quite alarmed with my behavior which was obviously very extreme and once a week i'd be, they would take me to the doctor and the doctor finally threatened me with hospitalization if i didn't do something about eating eating more. So I was an anorexic for a very brief period of time. And when the the doctor left for a six-week vacation, and he told my mother these very, very powerful words, take her out and get her a good meal. And she did. And in those days, in the 60s, smorgasbords, we're very, very popular here in the United States. Since I'm talking to people all over the world, and I have to tell you guys, I love traveling. I've tra- I haven't I have been to New Zealand. That's, I think, the furthest point here in the meeting that I'm aware of. But I've, I've traveled. I've done extensive traveling in my life. And I went to the Smorgasbord and I ate three plates of food. They were like mountains. They weren't plates. They were a plate. And I built a castle on the plate with mountains and hills and valleys, and it was solid food. And after three plates of food, my mother, who was quite alarmed because I had gone from starving to this new binging, said, well, what would you like to do now? Thinking that I would tell her, I think I want to go home. I really feel sick. I said, no, let's go to Seize Candy, and proceeded to, to buy a very large chocolate thing, whose name I forgot. And, and that's how it was for me. So when the doctor came back from Europe six weeks later, I went from under 100 pounds to 126 pounds. And that was at 16 years old. And when I graduated high school at 18, my new top weight was 153. And at the age of 19, I hit 189 pounds. And in that period of time, I did everything possible, again, starving, binging. I joined Weight Watchers. I was in and out of Weight Watchers eight times before I found Overeaters Anonymous. I did, there was something with pregnant women's urine shots. Is that like the most disgusting thing you can think of? Well, my insurance company paid for it. And so I went to Hollywood to this clinic once a week and they gave me a diet and the diet was 500 calories on these injections. And I thought after about a month, I said to myself, I don't need these injections. If I'm eating 500 calories a day, I will surely lose weight. And I did. And I stopped going and I gained my weight back. I don't even know if I lost anything to tell you the truth. But it was up and down, up and down, up and down. And I dropped out of college. And during that period of time, I I graduated high school. I went to college and I went to a junior college. It's kind of funny because the house I'm living in now is right above the college. It was an agricultural college. And I remember it still is partially an agricultural college. And our house is looking over the pasture land, which has got about 15 cows down below my my hill um, when I look. And I felt like that. (laughs) I have to tell you, when I was 19 years old, I was going to summer school. And because I had dropped out twice, and I can say that it was because of the eating, I can say it was very much because of the eating. Once I started eating and I took the first bite, the food was in control. I had no control over what happened to me next, and dropping out of college, erratic behavior, erratic driving down the street, finding myself at two in the morning in another part of the city, because we didn't have 24/7 food back in those days. I, I scouted places out to get my donut fix, to get my candy fix, to get whatever I needed because once I started eating, I couldn't stop. And back at Pierce College, which was that junior college that I'm sitting looking at the pasture land now, at 19, I was sitting in my car. It's very hot here in the San Fernando Valley in August Here it gets over 100 degrees and I was wearing a jacket and jeans and sitting in my car and looking at the pasture land from down below and looking up and feeling like my life was over. I was so, I felt so helpless and so hope, I had lost any kind of hope of having any control over my life and definitely not losing my weight, which was my formula for happiness. My formula was on the, all on the outside. Lose your weight, get a boyfriend. College wasn't part of that formula. And I would live happy, it was pretty simple. Very simple formula for living. I had no tools for living, I had no strategy, I had no internal compass to tell me which way to go and my behavior was not polite. I didn't know how to eat like a lady or live like a lady or or really I didn't know how to live. I found Overeaters Anonymous eight months after I returned from a one-year vacation. And when I graduated college, I, I got myself back on track and I got a hold of myself and I said, I can't continue this way. And unfortunately. I wasn't able to control my eating, but I was able to get a four year college degree. And my parents gave me a round trip ticket to Europe with a one year return on it. (laughs) My plan was to come back to travel for three or four months. And when I left, I had lost all my weight. I had been in therapy for three years. And my therapist said to me, you've got it together. You've got a college degree you've lost your weight. You're going to Europe. You're living the dream. And all I felt was this hollowness deep inside of me because the words sounded good, but they felt like they didn't belong to me. I didn't, I couldn't relate to what she was saying. I knew I had a college degree. I knew I lost my weight. I knew I was going to Europe. And I can tell you that within 10 days of landing in London, I was obsessed with food again. And I stayed for eleven and a half and a half months, not because I was having the most fabulous time in my life, but I gained my weight back and I lost it and I gained it and I lost it. And when I right before coming back home, I maybe I lost half my weight, I don't know because I don't know, I'm not good at math, and you don't weigh in pounds, it's kilos, I think, in the rest of the world. And I came back and eight months later, I found Overeaters Anonymous, and that was really the true beginning of my life. I wanna read something to you because this really is a description. This is the big book of Overeaters Anonymous. My dog, Logan, who died about eight or nine months ago, liked to chew on things, He chewed up my book. This is one of many that I've had, but I need to read this to you because it really describes me and why I've been here for 45 years and why I keep coming back. If you are as seriously alcoholic, and this is on page 25, and there is a solution. If you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we had passed into the region from which there was no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to, and we were willing to make the effort. And by the time I crawled into the doors of Overeaters Anonymous, that was truly me. I had lost everything. My, I had no, I was empty, completely empty and devoid of any hope for losing my weight. And the, the weight directed my life. I stayed away from relationships, from people, from things I wanted to do, like that trip to Europe. That was based on my criteria. I couldn't go to Europe and get on 747 plane unless I had lost my weight. And truly part of staying there that long was I felt like nobody would want to talk to me. Nobody would, they would only see the outside. They would only see that I had gained my weight back. And I was so surprised when I came home that my friends didn't look at that at all. They wanted to know about my experiences. One year in Europe, in the Middle East, is a long time. And I had a lot of incredible, amazing adventures. But the common thread was compulsive overeating. And that first meeting they went to in OA was, to me, the strangest place, one of the strangest experiences I had up to that point. It was in Burbank, California. and. The room was filled with people that were my older, maybe older than me, I don't know, and certainly a lot younger. I was 25, there were girls in their teens, there were people of all, from all different backgrounds. We sat in a big circle, which scared the daylights out of me because I wanted to hide from you. I couldn't be in a, any kind of a genuine relationship with anyone because I was too frightened, and there was nowhere for me to hide. And in those days, we had two-hour meetings, and. At the, meet, at the break, after an hour, I left the meeting and someone, God bless her, her name was Helene, she came out to my car and she said the one thing that I needed to hear and that got me back. She said, if you want to lose your weight, you can do it here. And that I knew was the truth for me. Nothing else that I heard. And I went back in and it truly has been an amazing magic carpet ride for me. Over all these years, I've learned a whole new way of thinking and living. I'm a, com- obviously, well to me obvious, I'm a completely different person. I spent a good, I would say a majority of my life in therapy and I'll say one of the biggest miracle, the biggest miracle is that I found abstinence, number one, and that was the gateway to heaven. For me, I could not look at any form of spirituality of personal development, of looking at myself honestly without putting down the food. And so after six months in the program and two failed abstinences, I made the commitment to abstain no matter what and my abstinence is three meals a day and nothing in between. And I wanted to have a snack. (laughs) I wanna tell you, I wanted a snack. Because the the weight, the way I lost my weight before going to Europe, was I had a snack at eleven o'clock at night. I had half a cantaloupe, and my sponsor said to me, "I argued with her. I said I lost fifty-five pounds. Why can't I have a snack?" And she said, "Well, if it worked, you wouldn't be here." And I said, "I couldn't argue with that." Well, there's a lot more to it than that, obviously. But that's been working for me for all these years, since December 2nd, 1975, I eat three meals a day and nothing in between. And what that gives me is an opportunity to work the real part of this program or the inside part of this program, which is really all of it, because the only way that I can keep my abstinence is by looking at me from the inside out. And I'm gonna share with you, I don't know how much time I have left, or what I do in my program on a daily basis. So I start my program on my knees and I thank God for my abstinence and I ask for his guidance and direction for that day. And how can I be of service? Because I will tell you, I've learned that I am an enormously self-centered person. I learned about things called defects of character by working the steps and what a humbling experience that is. And even more so since COVID and the lockdown, I'll tell you, you know, I've been in my house I just actually, Monday is the last day, I'm closing my office. I have a beautiful, I had it for the last seven years. Uh, My business has been in this beautiful office with uh, one staff person and part-time person. And I discovered, I discovered I could work at home and work virtually and I don't have to renew my lease. And that's been an amazing journey. Uh, But I get on my knees in the morning and I turn it all over to God and I take a shower and I t- say the first three steps and I turn it all over again. And I, I can't believe that this thing works. It's a very simple program, but it for me, it's not been easy. I want to, to give all of you hope that you may be struggling or in your first year. When I took my one-year candle, my sponsor said, and I wanted to kill her when she said this, but what she said was, if she can do it, meaning me, anybody can, because it was really, really difficult. My first year was really very tough. I, at every moment, I thought I was going to lose it, that I would break my abstinence. When somebody would get up at the podium, and I went to 7 to 12 meetings a week in my first three years, because this is oxygen for me, and I always felt that this is life 101. This is what Overeaters Anonymous is. It taught me a new way to think and a new way to live, and a way to God, which was nothing I ever had thought about before coming to Overeaters Anonymous. So back to when I get getting out of the shower, I take this book, and I read page 87, 88, and 89. I read Upon Awakening Every Morning. The pages have gotten pretty thin, not that this is my first book that I've had, uh, my first big book. My dog ate this one and I I eat it every day because I go into this book and it gives me solutions for my life. And I write a 10 step in the morning and that's changed. Most of the time I, thank you. My 10 step is a prayer to God. Dear God, help me to uncover, discover and discard the truth about in this morning is what's bothering me. And then I flip over to the top of page 86, and it tells me how to do a 10 step at night. I do it in the morning. And I look at what my resentments, my fears, where I've been dishonest, where I've been selfish. Have I not discussed something with someone immediately where I should have? And what could I do better? And what could I pack into, into that day? And that gives me some real direction and a real way to look at myself from the inside out. And I look at my defects of character and it's a very humbling experience. And I want to fast forward to, since the lockdown in California came sometime towards the beginning of March. And I'm now, my husband and I, up to this point, um, I'll say husband miracle. I was told in all those years of therapy that because of my very fractured non-fairy tale life. I my childhood was very difficult. My teen years were very difficult. I have parents with mental illness. And that I would not be a candidate to getting married and having a any kind of a an ongoing union with any individual. They didn't mention dogs. <laughs> they don't talk back. <laughs> But a husband came before the dogs, and we're coming up on 13 years of of marriage. and But being together 24-7 is a whole different story than picking up my briefcase and going to the office and my husband doing the same. And so I've got to learn a lot of other things about myself during this period of time. And he has, too, about me, and I don't know that he likes it all, you guys, (laughs) because, oh, boy, when I would... Something would come up in the office, I would just march down the hall and talk to my associate, my marketing analyst, and boom, it would come out. My husband doesn't work in my business. He is a very responsible position in the company he works for. He does a lot of stuff on his, politically and a state level and many others in volunteer capacities and appointed positions and things. And he doesn't need to hear me march down the hall and blabber all about what's gone wrong in my, my day or that moment. So I've had to learn a lot about a little bit more self-control and how can I deal with my emotions differently? And this is really humbling, you guys. You know, um, There's no magic wand. It's all about working the steps and looking, looking at myself. I have two amazing sponsors. I call my OA, I've got an OA sponsor and I went to another program many years ago for people relationships. It's al And so I'm really blessed. I can tell you that sponsorship has been so critical for me and sponsoring has been very critical as well. And I have the blessing of sponsoring four women and a new one, a new sponsee came down, down the pike about two weeks ago. And someone that's been a very dear friend of mine for over 35 years in the program asked me to sponsor her. And that came as a huge surprise. And I've never, a friend has never asked me to sponsor them. And I said, yes. And that's one of the keys for my, I think recovery in this program is saying yes. I never volunteered for anything before coming to Overeaters Anonymous. And I've been, I raise my hand when there, whenever there's an opportunity to be of service, I raise my hand and I say yes. And I've been able to carry that that attitude of service outside of the program as well. Last week, I was able to speak at a statewide conference in my field, which was a big surprise to be asked. It wasn't the first time, but this time I really felt like I was, well, I was scared, I'll tell you the truth. I was scared, they recorded it two weeks ago, and my biggest fear was having to look at myself, they said, you're going to have to be on the call when, of course, it's a virtual conference and then to answer questions after you speak. And that's what terrified me more than anything. And to look at myself speaking, when I've been speaking in over, at, over at Eaters Anonymous for 45 years or 44 plus years, it was really different for me. But it was a good experience. It was really humbling. I went, oh my God, is that what I look like when I speak? Holy cow. Um, so it, it gave me an opportunity again to to grow and say, okay, there's room for improvement here. It was kind of humbling. Um, so this program has given me an opportunity to say yes and to grow in ways that I never even knew that I had to grow in. Uh, I think, you know, I, I don't know how much time I have left, but I would like to kind of wrap this up. And if anyone has questions, I'd be really happy to answer answer your questions. and My last, I think, thing I do want to say though, is that if you want to lose your weight, you can do it here, and you're going to get a whole lot more. This program offers an amazing way of life. It's offered me serenity, peace of mind, spirituality, relationship, deeper relationships than I ever believed possible, and a way to look at life from a really different perspective, from from the inside out. And I can say that I was raised to look at everything from the outside, what was the car you're driving, the house you lived in, the neighborhood you lived in, the clothes, but it was really about me. And I don't have to do that to to chastise and judge myself that way anymore. It's really an inside job. And it feels like it's about time. It's about time, but you know, as long as I'm alive, I get to grow, and that's really what this program has given me: is a new way of thinking, a new way of thinking about life, a new way of a new way of living. So, those are my final comments. And but I would love to hear from any of you if you have any questions. Thank you so much, Barbara. We have three minutes. So yay, let's give it up okay. for Barbara. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, we have three minutes. So I think we do have time for a couple um, quick questions. Uh, I see Vita has her hand raised. Let me allow you to unmute yourself. Go for it, Vita. Hi, Barbara. Thank you for your share. Hi. I was wondering if you could talk about your relationship with your higher power and how you used that um, during this particular time of change in our lives in the world. Okay, I'll start with how I, good question. When I came here, I was really adverse to anything spiritual. I didn't even want to hold hands at the end of the meeting. And I agreed at my first meeting, I'm not going to say this prayer, but you know, I was a hippie in the 60s and in the 70s. I will hold your hand. That seemed kind of cool. That was the beginning for me. And then we have these books, you know, these one day at a time books. And this was the first book I was told about. It's called 24 hours a day. And I was maybe three or four months in the program and somebody said, you need to buy this book. It's got something to say every, my dog ate this book too, if you can see it. Um, he really loved to eat books, He didn't learn anything, but he ate a lot of books. And he, he, um, this person said, pick that book up. It's gonna really help you in your day. And I thought, this is ridiculous. What could a book know about me on October 23rd or whatever the date was? And I picked up the book and it just hit me between the eyes and I went, okay, I'm gonna buy the book. And it's been that way with me kind of testing everything I've heard but after 2 years I of program I did I like the Beatles and I still love them and transcendental meditation was a big thing so I took this course in transcendental meditation and I use that for the basis of my my meditation every morning and how do I use spirituality now I need it more than ever this has been a really tough time. I've discovered anger and grouchiness beyond anything I ever imagined. Um, I find um, this is a tough time. Anybody that says it isn't and life is normal of living in this world on this planet. So what I've done is I'm volunteering more for service positions that helps me I'm open to talk to, and this is all about spirituality, is being open and saying yes to more opportunities to be of service. I'm putting my name in the chat room more. I have I've lengthened my daily meditation, which was before, I think it was before COVID, I kind of lost track. It was like three minutes to five minutes when I learned it was 20 minutes twice a day, that was years ago. And so now it's basically 10 minutes a day and I've changed the way that I write and my writing, my 10 steps are really a vehicle to God because I get on my knees and I've been doing this for many years and I say the third step prayer and the seven step prayer after I read my 10 step to my sponsor and I give my character defects up to God and I ask for the the opposite. So with my selfishness, I ask for... to For God to take away my selfishness and replace it with selflessness, my anger and resentment to replace it with acceptance of that person, place, or thing, and replace it with love and acceptance. And I could just go down the list. And that's that. all those actions bring me closer to my higher power and to God. I say a prayer before I eat. And that is, I eat breakfast by myself, my other meals are generally with my husband, I don't. He's not, he's not into it, so I don't do that, um, but I do it in, in the morning. And I talk to God during the day when I go on my walk and I take my dog on a walk. I talk to God on those walks. And I'm doing more of everything now during COVID. It is stress city. It is very stressful. There are so many unknowns. And what I, I keep reminding myself and my sponsor, one of my sponsors reminds me of is it's, one, it's just today. I only have to do today. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I just do today and I abstain no matter what. And that gives me an opportunity to live one day at a time. So good question. Thank you so much, Barbara. That's all the time we have for questions.